Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, thoughts from last night's finale in the preseason. I'll give you some roster thoughts as well and also some final predictions. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on. Enter promo code locked on for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You don't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise. Hitting hard as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the Sirius XM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, it was a very anticlimactic finale in the preseason for the Atlanta Falcons. They got rolled 24 to nothing. Now, for a definite part of this game, the beginning of the game, the Steelers were playing their ones and we were playing our twos and threes. So there's no way to really evaluate. I mean, again, you had to hang on for dear life uh, against this Steelers offense in the first team. And look, that's what it's supposed to be, right? If the Steelers first team can't move the football and score against second and third teamers, many of which will not even be on the roster of an NFL team, then you got problems if you're a Steelers fan. Because again, if you're trying to compete in that division with the Browns and the Ravens and the Bengals, you're going to get lost, lost in the shuffle. And, just completely be behind. But so I don't know how much I really took away from the game. Did I want to see some things like we talked about yesterday on the show? Yes. Did I see enough of those things getting after the quarterback, that aggressiveness on defense? I, I don't think so. You know, I, I don't, I don't really think so. Now, again, the Falcons did come up with a couple of sacks um, in the game. Mike Jones made a nice play, but by and large, we did not get enough pressure on on the Steelers' quarterbacks, no matter who it was. I mean, again, certainly we weren't getting any pressure on Kenny Pickett with our third-string guys, but Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, Tanner Morgan, we didn't create enough disruption on the defensive side. Didn't think we had, um, you know, obviously we didn't really have any turnovers, you know, to speak of. I mean, it wasn't really a situation where we had the so I was a little bit disappointed in that, that just, I don't think that we, we got a sense of what we were in that first game against the Dolphins. And again, I'm not talking about our, our ones or their ones versus our threes and stuff, but certainly when you look, just don't think that we did enough things to get pressure and have that intensity that we had had previously. So I'll, again, I don't know how much I really learned about everything in this game last night. I don't know how much that, you know, I really took away from it. But, you know, again, yeah, there were a couple of good things. I mean, you know, the Falcons Falcons did, you know, some things. I mean, some of the wide receivers played pretty well. DeMarco Hellams played pretty well. But I just, 
it, it was a game where once the first quarter was over, you felt like kind of like this was what was going to happen. And offensively, again, we don't have guys that besides our first team that can really move the football. So I don't know that I really learned much of anything in this game. I don't really know that I felt like I, you know, figured out anything more than what I had previously. This was a chance to really just kind of evaluate our roster and see who's going to be on the back end of the 53-man team. And other than that, I mean, again, was it a successful preseason? I, I felt like in some ways, I don't know that we regressed through the preseason, but certainly what I saw from the Falcons in preseason game number one against the Dolphins with our backups against their backups didn't kind of match that intensity. Now, I liked our first versus our first in Cincinnati with the Cincinnati Bengals in that game, but I didn't think our backups did enough. And again, you're going to have guys that are going to get hurt. So we can talk about, well, those are second and third string guys. Yeah, but those guys also play, though. You know, those guys also get on the field and they're part of a rotation of defensive, you know, defensive linemen or secondary guys like those guys. And again, look, we're seeing Jeff Okuda, you know, being hurt. We don't know exactly when he's going to come back. It'll be interesting to see again if they put him on any kind of short-term IR, if they don't think he's going to be back till week three or four, they might put him on a short-term IR. So you're going to have some of these guys that are going to play and they are going to show out. But last night's game was just kind of a, a lost effort. I'm sure it was good for the coaches to put on tape to see, hey, you know, what what can some of these guys do that are at the bottom end of our roster? Um, and, and again, I, We'll talk about Jalen Mayfield here in just a little bit because he was one of the guys that I wanted to see. But I think we did figure out a couple few guys that are going to or not going to make the roster at the end of the day. But it just was kind of a, eh, this is kind of an effort where, okay, and, and look, I know part of this is what you want to do is just get through that game. We talked about this yesterday get through that game without getting anybody hurt. You don't want anybody to suffer any. That's why when Logan, Logan Whiteside, um, you know, was, was hurt at the end of that game, you were thinking to yourself, Oh my God, you know, not, you know, it, it was, it was, it was just these flashbacks of just nightmare scenarios where, um, you know, the, the quarterback's getting hit on his elbow and you're like, and Woodside Woodside, you know, gets the shot on his elbow right at the end of the game. And you're like, we, we, we found a, we found a way to escape through all of this injury. And then all of a sudden we're getting our third team quarterback hurt, but thankfully nothing, nothing major. Obviously Woodside came back into the game at the end of it, but that was kind of one of those things where it's like, that's why you don't play some of these starters. That's why you don't play guys that are valuable to you. Cause the last thing you want is, for this team to suffer any kind of injury again when we're not we're not three deep at every position and right now again when we line up week one it'll be interesting to see who's going to be ready to play who's not going to be ready to play I, I, you know Jeff Okuda Mike Hughes there are guys that you know obviously we know Hennessy is not going to be available to us so you're already starting with sort of your backups, although 
I know they want Bergeron to win that job, but sort of your backups are throwing guys in because of injury that have to start. So uh, the, the Falcons, I guess, number one goal was they got through this game unscathed. Like everybody came out of it okay. You know, Woodside, even he came out of it okay. Arthur said, look, if he wasn't healthy enough, I wouldn't have even put him back, you know, in the game. So everybody came out healthy, but did I really learn much of anything? Eh, no, I don't think I really learned much of anything. I probably learned more about who's not going to be around than who's actually going to be around. So again, it's all going to be this one big dump of players when Tuesday comes along. I think Tuesday at four o'clock or whatever. Tuesday at four o'clock, it'll be this final big dump of players. There'll be a thousand guys that'll be, you know, available to be picked up. And the Falcons have, by the way, the number eight pick in the waiver wire. So that's a good thing. But again, don't think that I really learned a lot from last night's game. I just don't think that I really got much out of that, maybe other than who doesn't need to be on the roster at this point, or maybe a couple of bottom tier guys that need to be. All right, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. And listen, Bird Dogs is the best pair of shorts that you're ever going to wear. Look, they do the same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better than just regular shorts because they got that tapering that's stretch khakis that are fitting slimmer through your thighs and legs and give you that sculpted look. And they've got the anti-stink sweat work, uh, wicking fabric that makes much better than what cotton has to you. So again, we want you to go to birddogs.com slash locked on. That's B-I-R-D-D-O-G-S dot com slash locked on and enter promo code locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And you're going to get with your first purchase a free white tech hat. That's right. A free white tech hat with your first purchase. That's birddogs.com slash locked on birddogs.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Put the promo code locked in for a free white tech hat. You're not going to want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. They're going to fit great. They're going to look great on you. I wear mine everywhere. And again, they look great as that they have that sculpted look to what their legs are. Birddogs.com slash locked on and get your free gift. So just some thoughts about the roster um, in general um, as we get ready for cut day, uh, obviously. And again, like we said, it's it's different this year because, again, you just have one dump of players, okay? Um, let me start with Jalen Mayfield first and foremost, okay? Jalen Mayfield is not going to make this roster. There's no reason for him to make this roster. Did Jalen Mayfield do some good things <clears throat> in the preseason? And especially when you asked him to just go north and south and run block? Yes. Jalen Mayfield, when he was run blocking and going north and south, did do some good things. But he was lost last night in pass protection. He's been lost in the preseason. You saw last night, one guy got him low, one guy got him high. And just he's getting turned around. He's getting turned around like a turnstile. And again, I can't, I can't trust a guy like that. I don't care if he's playing tackle, guard, whatever. It's just not worked itself out. And he's going to be a third-round pick that is most likely going to be on the outs looking in. I just when when this whole player dump 
comes through on the on Tuesday afternoon, I think the Falcons are going to be looking for somebody as a backup or alternative to grab a hold of, you know, an offensive lineman other than Mayfield. I, I just I don't see how Mayfield is going to make this team at the end of the day. He's just been too inconsistent. He still can't pass block. And yeah, it's it turned out to be a wasted third round pick, but it is what it is at this point. So I don't think Mayfield's making this roster. Second guy, Logan Woodside. So I do think that they like what Logan Woodside has done, and he's going to make the roster as that third quarterback. Now, again, this year in the NFL, you can have a third quarterback, but they have to be part of your 53-man roster. I got no problem with that. I got no problem with the idea of having a roster space dedicated to a third quarterback. Is is the plan for Logan Woodside to have packages and play and all this kind of stuff? No. <clears throat> like, you don't ever want to see Logan Woodside step on a football field, you know, in a real game in the NFL. Backups is one thing, real game in the NFL. <clears throat> but still, I thought he's done enough to secure that third quarterback spot that you feel like, okay, he could be a guy that we could add to our roster, even taking up a roster spot for it. I think he's a guy that deserves to be on the roster. And and, and it may be a, a small thing to some people about, well, what, what, what difference does it make if it's a, you know, quarterback? Yeah. But again, you're taking up a roster spot. And that's the thing is you have to dedicate a roster spot to that guy. That could be another guy that could play special teams or what have you. You're literally going to have a guy on your roster that you hope never plays a snap. Look, Taylor Heineke, you hope doesn't have to play. All right. You hope that Desmond Ritter is healthy for 17 games and rolls all the way through. What's the likelihood of that? Probably pretty low. Most quarterbacks in the league don't usually play all 17 games and get through unscathed. But your third quarterback is a situation where you really hope that you don't have to go to that route. But I thought he did enough things to make the 53 man. DeMarco Hellams is another guy who, again, I thought he played really well, especially in the first half of that game, had six tackles last night. I think it's going to be really hard to just put him on the practice squad. And when you look at our safety position, when you look at the def- some of the defensive backs, again, corners, A.J., Okuda, D. Alford, Trey Flowers, Mike Hughes, Clark Phillips, um, safeties, Bates, Grant, Hawkins, DeMarco Hellams, um, you know, sort of the projection right now. I thought he's done enough good things. I thought you saw that his aggressiveness, his ability to take away the football, his tackling ability. Like, I just thought that, again, if you have a, a dime package and you have to put a DeMarco Hellams in, he won't be completely lost out on the football field. So I'm okay with the idea of, of Helms making this roster. As far as the wide receivers go, um, when you look at, and again, I know we're not talking about, you know, we're talking about positionless football, what have you, but when you look at what our wide receiver position is, Drake London, Mac Hollis, Kadero Hodge, Scotty Miller, Josh Ali, some of the guys, I, I don't know if Josh Ali is going to actually make the squad or not. I thought J.J. Arcega Whiteside, I thought I, I would like to see him first and foremost, but that's kind of the competition as far as Ali and Arcega Whiteside, as far as who's going to get that final wide receiver position. 
Now, I thought R.C. Whiteside did a couple of good things, you know, well. Uh, what he end up with? Three catches for 27 yards. Um, so, again, it wasn't like monster numbers or anything like that. But still, thought he did okay. Ali had two catches for 12 yards, um, a long of eight. Whiteside had a long of 13. But he was targeted a little bit more. I, I, I want to see, again, and we're talking about fifth wide receiver positions. I want to see Arcega Whiteside probably more than I do Josh Ali. Now, Josh Ali may be a better special teams player, this, that, and the other. That's going to be a factor when you start to get down that far on the board with your wide receivers, then you're looking at guys who can play special teams, guys who can either cover kicks or potentially could return, you know, kicks and punts and things. I mean, so, uh, again, Penny Hart's not going to probably make this team at the end of the day. I just don't see that there's a pathway for him to be on the roster. So, but the big one is Mayfield that I, I just feel like that he's just not going to be part. Will, will they put him on the practice squad? Yeah, probably. I mean, he's probably a practice squad guy that if somebody does get hurt on our offensive line, if we have another injury on our offensive line, you could bring him up. But I just don't think that he did enough to be on the 53-man roster when all said and done. All right, as you listen in to Hitting Hard, make sure that you go into the comment section, whatever podcast platform that you listen on, and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. We call them our everydayers, and we thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. So let us know that you're an everyday listener five days a week to the program. So just some final predictions, thoughts, and stuff like that. As we wrap up preseason and now we get ready for regular season. We get ready for cuts and stuff like that. And again, the only people going to be cut are guys who are at the bottom end of our roster at, at this point. There's nobody valuable that's going to be cut because of cap implications or anything like that. Okay. So the roster, the main roster that we have is the roster that we have. And we're going to go in to week one against Carolina Panthers and get this thing done. You know, I've said on my radio show, I think 10 and seven is where the Falcons are going to finish. I do think that could be good enough to win the division. I do think they can end up winning the division at 10 and seven. Um, I, I think the saints are the best competition for the Falcons in that division. I think the, the saints, again, nobody is the class of this division, right? <clears throat> Every team, Falcons, saints, Panthers, Buccaneers, all of these teams have plenty of flaws and warts that you don't look at any one of those teams and say, okay, that's the clear-cut favorite to win the division. I think the Falcons and the Saints are better than the Buccaneers and the Panthers um, for uh, different reasons, but I think the Saints will be our number one competition. If, if we don't win the division, I think the Saints are most likely you know, to win it. But I think that at the end of the day, the Falcons are going to finish 10-7 and seven and find a way to win the division. I trust their head coach. I, I trust what he's got going on. I, I trust the fact that we will be better in one-score games. We were great in one-score games in year one under Arthur. We were not so great last year in one-score games. But when you can win those one-score games, which is where the majority of the NFL has played, your whole season turns itself around. Look at the Minnesota Vikings last year. You know, Again, they were not a very good team, but they won all the right games, right? And so... I trust Arthur Smith to get us back on track on all of that. As far as my biggest concerns, I mean, again, I'm still in the pass rush mode. And you can think I sound like a broken record, but if you can't sack the quarterback in today's NFL, you're not going to get where you need to be. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much more simple I can make it. You have to do that in today's NFL. 
you have to be able to not just pressure him or whatever like that. You have to be able to put him on the ground and make him get up standing, looking out of his ear hole, changing up down and distance, forcing quarterbacks to make quicker throws and stuff. You have to, you have to put that in the back of the mind of NFL quarterbacks. If you can't sack NFL quarterbacks, you're not going to get defensively where you need to be. And all the numbers tell you, I, again, I don't, there's no argument to this. All of the numbers tell you about where you need to be in today's NFL to be a, either a championship caliber team or a playoff caliber team. That's still my big bugaboo is just, do we have a fire breather that can come off the edge? I'm hopeful that Katie or we can accumulate sacks from multiple places on Yamada and Grady and Calais Campbell and Ellis. I'm hopeful, but it's still my big concern. I don't see Miles Garrett. I don't see Joey Bosa. I don't see Khalil Mack. You know, I don't see Hendrickson. I don't see those guys that, that are coming off the edge and coming up through and, and making, you know, wreaking havoc on quarterbacks. The other part of it too is, I think Desmond Ritter is going to be fine. You know, we talked about weeks and weeks or month ago, whatever like that, that what was Desmond Ritter's numbers going to be? You know, if he's somewhere 2,900, 3,000 yards, I think he can be a 20 plus touchdown player. You know, I think he can be about 25 touchdowns, 26 touchdowns, seven or eight interceptions. That'll be fine. That'll be a good year. So I think Desmond Ritter is a 35 touchdown guy. 4,000 yard guy. No, I mean, if, if we're getting into those numbers, he's the MVP of the league. Like I said, I mean, he, he's going to be as far as in the discussion for MVP of the league. And then now we have a whole other discussion about where things are going to be. Do I think the Falcons are a 12, 13 win team? No, that that's reserved for the elite of the elite. That's reserved for the Philadelphias and the Buffaloes and the Bung and the Cincinnati Bungles and the Kansas City Chiefs of the world. Like that's reserved for those teams. You talk, start talking about 12 and 5, 13 and 4, forget 14 and 3. Start talking about 12 and 5, 13 and 4. That's for the high-end teams. Do I think that we're a high-end team? No, I don't think we're quite there just yet. But I think 10 and 7 is a respectable number. And if we get to double-digit wins, I think we're in the playoffs. I think win, lose, or draw in the NFC, if we get to 10 wins, even if we don't win the division, I still think that we're going to end up being a playoff team. So I don't think they're going to ask Ritter um, to do very much. I think he's going to be – I think they're going to ask him to do some things. I, I do think that – and especially, look, talked to Steve Weish about this the other night on my radio show offensively, you have to get it done in the red zone. And that's the big thing that I'm looking at. This is why I talk about Kyle Pitts being Travis Kelsey and what have you. I'm not saying that he's got to wear 87 and be the same guy. What I'm telling you is he has to have the same uh, 30,000 foot view. He has to have the same influence on games that Travis Kelsey has. Right now, he's not done that. And I don't care if it's quarterbacks or whatever okay you better figure it out because you got the number four overall pick and he has to be a big influence in what we do more than drake london more than Bijan robinson more than anybody 
He has to be that breakout player. He's literally your highest drafted player on your roster. So again, I want to see this team be really good and dynamic in the red zone. 67%. There are certain numbers that I'm going to look at. First number I'm going to look at, 38. Are we a 38-sack team? 70% of playoff teams since 2016 have had 38 or more sacks. 70%. That's where the vast majority of teams live, is being 38 or more sacks. That's one. Two is 67, 66-67% red zone efficiency. Do we score touchdowns on two out of every three possessions that we have in the red zone? If so, then that makes us elite and we'll be a really good football team if we're a dominant red zone team that we feel like we get down there, we are going to score touchdowns. That's the two numbers, first and foremost, that I'm looking at. 38, 66%. If we can be that, accumulate 38 or more sacks, 67, 66, 67% red zone touchdown efficiency then I'll feel much better about where we're at. And I'll think that this season is going to stay on track. So I'll say 10 and seven at the end of the day and Falcons win the division, find themselves in the playoffs for the first time since 2017. I think Ritter plays fine. I think Pitts has a big year. And again, we start to accumulate some sacks and get this team turned around, at least be in the mid thirties, if not high thirties, low forties. All right, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go into whatever podcast platform that you listen on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. We do thank you so much for being a part of our growing community and check us out every day, five days a week here. Uh, We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at jmch 3 one to six. We'll be back with you on Monday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. 